Oh, I'm uh, chopping at the bit. I'm I'm curious to see what my Hawks look like. I'm I'm curious to see what uh, some of these free agents that have moved, uh, most notably the uh, skilled players for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I want to see how they look in their new homes and uh, see if uh, the young kid up in Kansas City can replicate what he put up last year. So, yeah, training camp, man, can't wait. So as we do every week, we start off uh, – this is week number 43. So who comes to mind? First guy that came to my mind was Dennis Eckersley. And then the second guy that came to my mind was Jack Sigma. Have you heard of Jack Sigma before? Well, I'm, a, you know, born and raised third generation here in the 206. So, uh, you know, Jack Sigma's a household name around these parts. Okay, well. I was very familiar with Jack Sigma. I was a Jack Sigma guy with the straight hair before he went to the perm and the curls. So if you remember that guy with the turnaround 15-footer on either baseline or either elbow, was he, was he, he was a center. He wasn't a stretch four. He was a big center drawing the guy out. That was a... Um, Open on lane up for Gus Williams and Dennis Johnson. That was a that was a prime time weapon back in the days. Earned two championships. Uh, I think about six or seven MVP or All Star appearances. I don't think you know about Jack Sigma. Oh well, no, I I remember when my my dad used to uh, keep me up uh, watching him and Wes Unsettled bang it out for two straight years. Uh, before the Sonics won their championship, I remember the uh, the over the head jumper from the baseline. He, he was basically Dirk Nowitzki before Dirk Nowitzki. If we want to just be perfectly honest with you, you know, with the fans about it, but uh, yeah, yeah, he, he's in the Raptors for a reason around here. Yeah, I don't I don't know that he had the range that Dirk has, but. You know, he he, did, he pulled him away from the ba- from the uh, hoop and let the guards get in there to the basket. That was a, a good look. And then Mr. Steeler, Troy Palamula, was another guy that came to my mind wearing the number 43. Anybody else on the list on the number wearing the 43 list that caught your attention or that is not left off? Uh, no, not not wearing the number. Obviously, you know, uh, Richard Petty in the you know, NASCAR uh, world is, you know, bigger than life, so um, and transcends the sport in a lot of ways. So uh, perhaps he is more uh, you know, notable with regards to the 43, although he's a word, but, you know, driving the cars, you know, in, in the sports world, in the NASCAR world, uh, you know, pretty much the same thing. So I uh, definitely had to put him way up there. Yeah. 
uh, Richie Petty dealt like, as you say, in the NASCAR world, it's a no-brainer. Um, however, I didn't learn about Richard Petty till I think, after my teenage years. Um, 26 is a little bit more difficult. Number 26 may be potentially, I can argue, the greatest defensive back to ever play the game. I can make that argument. Rod Woodson. Would you would you care to debate that one day? Oh boy, yeah, because you can't really make a very strong argument. Although I, I I am very impressed with the way he went from a you know all century team at, at at corner to then you know a Pro Bowl safety. You know, kudos to him for doing so, and and also came up with the Super Bowl ring as well. But uh, this guy out there named Deion Sanders that would uh you know have a little bit to uh, say about that. So yeah, for another time, perhaps. He, he might have a few words to say, but you just gave down gave down a couple of his uh, attributes and qualifications for the argument. So, yeah, I don't think you're ready for that argument. Oh yeah, I, gave, I gave you some ammunition. I gave you some ammunition, but I got I got still plenty left in the chamber. So let's not worry about that until you until you're ready to have that uh, discussion. Yes. Um. Another guy was Wade Boggs. You know, he was uh, one of the guys I, I was first uh, helped me become a Red Sox fan, and then he went to the Yankees. Like, I don't know how you go to division rivals. Uh, well, you see guys do that a, a bunch of times, and Sally kind of corrected me on that. But nonetheless, I was, surpri- I was surprised when that happened. Uh, Wade Boggs and Clinton Portis, uh, number 26. I couldn't come up with any others, but those are the three guys wearing the number 26 that I remember most. How about you? Any, anybody I left off there? Uh, no, your list looks pretty clean uh, from top to bottom. 26 is uh, not the most notorious number, and I would have to argue that those were the three left. So, so last couple nights ago, I should say, on Monday, Monday night, the NBA had their – now second annual award show where they award the players MVP, obviously most improved coach of the year, executive of the year, et cetera, et cetera. They award their season award winners. Now with the season having been over two months ago, has the NBA award show, I want to say outlived its, its purpose because, it's kind of been a creative situation for the last two years. What do you think about the NBA award show? Uh, I feel about it the same as, as I feel about the, uh, you know, NFL awards show. I mean, it's, it's kind of something that you do to kind of, you know, keep your audience, you know, I don't want to say in suspense, you know, keep them captivated, keep them together. That one last thing you do before, you know, you, you, you go off to the off season. Um, I think most of the awards people kind of already knew what they were going to, you know, who, who was going to get them. Um, I, I think it's more for the network um, affiliates that they have relationships with to kind of have something to show there. Um, I, I don't, I don't think it's a great idea either one of the two shows, but um, I understand why people watch them, and you know, people are going to, you know, dress up and look nice and you know, have some things to say, you know, it's it's one step below the SBs, I would say, but, 
you know, I could kind of take it or leave it, to be honest with you. Well, did you watch, first of all? No, I did not. Okay. Well, they, they, didn't, they didn't sell you, obviously. Um, I do think it's uh, – you, you alluded to it. It's kind of a, some of the partnership. It's a big party. It's a great party for the TNT and their and their crew. <laughs> it's a good party for them. Puts with some of the NBA employees to work that I've got to meet over the, over the last month or so. Um, keeps them employed for another weekend. Or, excuse me, I don't want to say keep them employed. Keeps them busy for another weekend, I should say. Um, however, I, I do think it was much better when they gave the the awards away in the team's arena. You know, we we all remember the situation where Dirk won his finals and he was not uh, – they got bumped out of the playoffs, but he still won his NBA MVP award. Um, they had to do it at the voice club or something like that. Um, so we all we all understand that anomaly. But for the most part, the fan it takes this NBA award show takes the award away from or the ceremony a celebration away from the fans, the teammates that have been with these players all season long. And that's the although it's, it is a good celebration, you know I enjoyed going the other night and. You know, hobnobbing with a couple of players, but in in all in all, I think it takes those celebration away from their fans. Your thoughts? Oh, I feel the same way. I, I think you know, in a lot of ways, it's it's, it's fairly grandiose. Um, I, I definitely understand what Adam Silver is doing, um, and just kind of trying to follow uh, certain aspects of the David Stern model, wherein. You always try and make your star players stars, so any opportunity to kind of put them in a spotlight and, you know, kind of bring attention to, you know, their accomplishments and, you know, uh, an opportunity to show highlights and, and have a bunch of, uh, you know, billionaires and, and, and star players in the same place, which, of course, attracts a lot of attention. And, you know, from that perspective, it's definitely a good thing. I guess the question is how entertaining it is. Um probably more to other people, not so much to myself, just because, like you said, it's also not really fan-friendly. It's, it's more, you know, Academy Award type of, you know, scenario. It's just a bunch of, you know, players and people and you know, kind of in that, you know, arena. So it, it, it certainly isn't um, reflective of, of kind of the accomplishments that the players have made and, they don't get to share it with, uh, you know, their fans, which, you know, should be first and foremost. But at the same time, it makes a lot of money. It's, um, it's The optics are great for it, and I don't see it going away anytime soon. So I think it's just going to be one of those things that, you know, over the, you know, the course of, you know, its evolution, they'll try and, you know, you know, do more things to make it more exciting. But I think it just is what it is. It's, a, you know, it's an NBA award show. Yeah, I don't, I don't like. I don't foresee it going away, um, but I don't know. It'd be nice if they can somehow incorporate the fans into the sport or into the industry just a little bit, um, a, a little bit more. That that would be that would be pretty cool. Man, so some of the um, some of the rumors, man, we hear going around. You uh, obviously we hear a lot of rumors, but something that seems to have a lot of legs and some work. In the back, uh, on the back end, is actually getting done. Is uh, this Jimmy Butler to Houston? What do you think about this 
potential trade and how this will potentially work out for uh, the Houston Rockets as they have add Jimmy Butler to this mix. I think it's a horrible idea. I, I don't know who came up with the idea to begin with, whether it was the general manager or if he thinks he's playing uh, fantasy basketball and just doesn't understand how this NBA thing works. He's already got a personality conflict issue within Chris Paul and James Harden, wherein Chris Paul wants James Harden to play harder and pay more attention to detail, and James Harden just wants to shoot more and have more freedom and green light. The two of them don't work, and then you add someone that's already been um, an environment killer the last three, two, well, we'll say the last two places he's been before Philadelphia. I won't say he completely killed that environment. But in a sense, Chicago before that, I mean, he's, he's been a cancer to the team. His, his, you know, demanding of his teammates playing defense is something that Dan Tony has never been very good with. So I don't understand how it fits for anybody. I don't understand how it fits for Jimmy Butler. There's only one basketball. And Harden and Paul are already having a problem deciding who gets it more and when. So why would you add a third player, and then you're adding a third player that likes to play defense and has an intense alpha dog personality, which we have seen that James Harden doesn't respond very well to. So I think it's bad all around. Well, maybe adding, you know, would they say two negatives make a positive? Maybe adding a maybe adding a positive will, or excuse me, maybe adding another negative to the mix will kind of give you a positive. I would understand that a little bit. It maybe if the players involved were a little bit older, but these are millennials, and they're already super sensitive to begin with. And James Harden has kind of proven to be one of those superstars that you had to have to have engaged. Otherwise, you don't get the full uh, potential of what he's capable of. And um, we've seen in, in playoff series, you know, in past years, he will just tune out, completely tune out of a playoff game. So if you have Jimmy Butler in his ear a little bit too much, and we all see how Jimmy Butler is, and he he's not one of them dudes, man. He's one of them dudes. So when he's in your face, you're, you're gonna get. You're either going to accept it or you're gonna wilt to it. We saw what Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Wiggins did when he flexed. I'm not sure what James Harden is gonna do in the same situation. Wow, well, I was just trying to give you a. Uh play devil, devil's advocate there, but I'm with you, man. I, I think it's a bad mix, combustible mix for sure, and I'm not exactly sure who came up with that uh, line of thinking, but it's out there, and it seems to have some true legs, and that's what uh, some of the talk was about a couple nights ago. So, yeah, it, that, w- that would be a crazy mix. Um, another crazy thing that has kind of sprang up over the last couple of days is a shortened NBA season. With uh, some type of play, some type of playing tournament in the middle of the season. Um, taking this from the life, uh, lifeblood of soccer, Major League Soccer has this where they have like a two month break in the season, and they do have a tournament within that break. Um, what's your thoughts on the NBA shortened season, first of all, and then the mid season tournament? Does that interest you at all? And if you remember. Uh, before you answer that, if you remember the, the strike sorting season, I think it was 2012, where they played right about 65 games. 
that season, it seemed like every game was critical, and every every game was a good game because the player it just seemed that way to me um, because the players were playing harder. Um, because each game meant something. Each game meant a little more than the typical 82-game season. What's your thoughts on that? I think that it's a good idea conceptually because it gives, you know, it increases the longevity of the players. They're fresher. You have better performances. You don't have so many injuries. Um, And it benefits them from that perspective. But at the same time, you already have these TV contracts that are locked that are locked in at a very high rate. Um, nobody told me you were taking 10 to 15 games off the schedule. So they they have some programming to do, and then you probably have some uh, repayment to make them. And as far as how the whole cup thing works, that's a little sketchy to me. Um, I, you know, it sounds cool if you're kind of playing for something that has some type of significance and meaning and over – you know, time, it kind of, you know, gets a little bit of tradition and, you know, ooh, that sure was a hard spot, you know, whatever cut. And, oh, man, those guys came through with it. Wow, that's cool. Um, kind of, you know, maybe replacing the all-star game kind of thing. And I think that's what you would almost have to do, but on a very high level in order to compensate the owners that are losing all of that revenue. I mean, this new place is open for Golden State has suites that go for $2 million a year. Are you all of a sudden just going to take, you know, 10 games away from them at, at that rate times 20,000? I mean, obviously the, the $2 million is not times 20,000, but you're getting 20,000 people in there. It's a lot of money. Um, I think they haven't worked out all the kinks. I think conceptually as far as how they can benefit the players, yeah, how they can make those numbers work, I don't see how it's possible. Well, they can make the numbers work. That's not a problem at all. I think the, oh, really? How How's that? How, how are you going to replace 10, 10 games that you don't get if you're an owner? Well, a, a few a few ways. The TV contracts are, are they are what they are. So oh, okay. So how are you going to so how are you going to replace the games that you told the TV contracts that you were going to play that now you're not going to play? Well, again, there's a tournament in the middle of the season, and th- th- this isn't. This isn't my project, so um, your, your questions are valid, but they can move the money around. I, I don't think that uh, would hinder the process at all because now they promote it. Though they have 10, 10 less games in the season, they will be having this playoff, whatever you want to call it, um, Milky Way tournament, however, however you want to establish it. But they can sell – they're going to need promotions and advertising for that, that event there. So that that slides that money right on over into this new tournament league. The players do just kind of get a rest, I guess. And at, at best or at worst, two teams will, instead of having 21 days off, they'll end up with a week off because they do actually win out in the tournament in a two or three week tournament. However, the, the length of that tournament is. So they'll be able to replace that game. But then, you know, there's a couple questions with that is what's the incentive for uh, the 2000, what's the incentive for the Toronto Raptors to play their men in this tournament? Um, is it more money? Are sponsors are putting up more money for this tournament um, for the winner? Uh, if they throw it out at 15 mil for the winner, 
uh, a piece or something, something crazy like that, because they're going to have to be uh, an incentive versus uh, for these new players to now focus and, and want to play and compete in this new tournament. Another thing is um, I'm with Scottie Pippen in the fact that it will mess things up historically and for the record, record books. Um, then you're not able to say Jordan averaged 27 points a game for his career versus LeBron 28.8. Um, it'll be a totally different game, different stats. You won't be able to use that comparison. Not that I'm a huge that guy anyway, but that's a um, a relatively useful comparison is is, is the stats. Uh, I can understand that. So that that's what I see might be be a potential challenge for this uh, new season, shortened season. But I, I do have to admit, back in that shortened season in 2012, that was an exciting season. Would you agree with that? Uh, I would agree that there was a little bit more suspense considering uh, there was a few, you know, less games, which, you know, creates a you know less of a margin for error, but I also remember them kind of trying to plan with it all the games in because they had missed so much at the beginning of the season that it was like it was definitely taking a toll on the players. Just back you know, sometimes, you know, back to back and a day off and then back to back. Um, yeah, obviously if you have less games, the games have more, you know, impact, you know. The losses are, are more significant. So from that perspective, sure. A shortened season uh, is, is more exciting. Yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. Um, it was pretty cool, I thought. So let's, uh, on the back end, we're going to talk about the Chiefs and do they need Tyreek Hill. We're going to talk about uh, Daniel Jones. He makes the news again. And and then Zeke and Dak. So we're going to talk about those guys who deserve more, who starts more games, Jones or Haskins, give you something to think about. We'll talk about that on, on the back side. Take a break here, please. Hello, fans. Cameron here. I want to talk to you guys about the LA News Observer and their group of newspapers that cover the Southern California market. They have papers in Bakersfield, Los Angeles, in the Valley, San Fernando, and San Gabriel. This paper is filled with talented writers, content that covers everything from sports to politics to current events. The website is www.ognsc.com. That's the LA News Observer. You can find it at www.ognsc.com. This is show... Week 43 of the Voice of the Fans, man. Got a few more weeks before we get the big number. Like we do that in the preseason sometime. Ben, I know you want to take some time off with the wifey. Um, found the stat on the number 43. And it's an interesting, interesting stat here. 43 percent of African-American youth as opposed to 26 percent of white youth are low, are likely to be incarcerated. This comes from the National Juvenile Justice Network. That's um, 
I don't know how to take that as insulting as it's it's staggering, embarrassing, and angering all at the same time. Yeah, I'm not. Uh, yeah, it's like yeah, it's it, well put, well put. I'm just not the. I thought it was interesting enough to share with you guys, but I'm not sure how to accept that and. Let's not be part of that 43%. Although this is speaking of American youth, uh, let's not add to that pot, folks, you or anybody you know. Also, number 43, Virginia Virginia Beach. Virginia Beach, Virginia. Population of 438,000. <laughs> um, they are the 43rd biggest city in the U.S. I didn't believe the Virginia Beach was that small, but they are the 43rd biggest city in the U.S. Have you been to Virginia Beach or Bob Beach? I have actually not been to uh, Virginia, period. The only place I've been to in that region of the country is Baltimore and D.C. Okay. You were right around the corner. You probably drove through Virginia if you were in Baltimore and D.C. Um, and and here's something interesting. It takes 43 muscles to use this uh, helicopter tonight. 43 muscles are needed to frown. So uh, we, you've always heard it takes less muscles to smile than it does to frown. There you go. 43 muscles are needed to turn your lips off. So uh, stop working that hard, folks. Cleveland frowns every night when I'm educating them, or every Wednesday night when I'm educating them on the show. So uh, his muscles are worked well there. I get it. But the rest of you guys, let's not use those muscles. Let's use them for something else. Sorry about that, Mr. Cleveland. Oh, no, that's that, that's fine because we have, we, have uh, we have some Raiders coming up this next season. We'll, we'll see how that's how works for you. Mm-hmm. Get a head turn on those 43 um, sir, question for you. Now we don't know the results quite yet of the meeting with Tyreek Hill had with the NFL authorities, but do you expect to see Tyreek Hill back in the league this season? And do the Chiefs need Tyreek Hill to duplicate that offense, explosive offense they had last season? Part one of your question: I don't expect to see Tyreek Hill for a full season. Part two of your question, there's no way for the Chiefs to duplicate last year's offense. No uh, way. The, the league the, the league will have will have caught up with the Kansas City offense. They have plenty of tape now. And in addition, the Kansas City Chiefs don't have Kareem Hunt. Oh, here you so, go with that tape theory. They haven't had tape. They so, have Kareem Hunt for most of the season. Uh, they had Kareem Hunt for quite a bit of the season. They were able to kind of, you know, on fumes, get through it and, you know, kind of piecemeal some things to the playoffs, having, you know, home field advantage. So really only playing two games in the playoffs. In this case, they went one at one. They won their home game and then – actually, I'm sorry, they won their, their first home game and then the Patriots came again and they jumped offside. So, yeah, no, I don't think there's any way to kind of duplicate what last year's offense did. Uh, I do think that they would miss Tyreek Hill probably more than they missed – Kareem Hunt. I think Kareem Hunt was probably a little bit easier to kind of plug and play 
um, in his absence. But, yeah, Tyreek Hill is pretty dynamic and makes their offense special. I think without him, there's no way to duplicate last year's production. So if I'm hearing you correctly, if I'm hearing you and understanding you correctly, you're telling me the Kansas City Chiefs offense was Kareem Hunt and Tyreek Hill. That's what you're telling me? Yes. I'm saying that they were the major catalyst to where the offense was able to go. Obviously, Young Mahomes. Excuse me, sir. Did you, you know, who won the, who to won say the, about that? Sir, who won the MVP last season? It was Patrick Mahomes. So how can you go on a, on this five-minute soliloquy, soliloquy about the Kansas City Chiefs, talking about Tyreek Hill and Kareem Hunt is the difference maker when they have the league's MVP in the backfield, sir? Sure. No, I still think Patrick Mahomes will have a great season. The question is, will they be able to duplicate last year's offensive production? And the answer was no. Number one, Tyreek Hill, I don't think is going to play a full season. I think that there will be some discipline that comes from the NFL league office. Number two, they don't have Kareem Hunt running the ball anymore, so they have somebody that they thought was an adequate backup last year, and they were adequate, but now you're playing a full season you're playing a season where you have the number one record, so you have the hardest uh, record going into the season. So, no, I don't think they'll be able to duplicate last year's offensive production, even with the MVP of the league, Patrick Mahomes. He doesn't throw to himself, and he doesn't run the ball up the middle. Well, he has receivers to throw to, number one. And he doesn't have to run up the middle because he has a tight end to throw it to over the middle. Um, okay, well, sometimes, in, at least in other offenses, the running game gives you balance. And kind of, you know, you know, play action, heard of that one? Yeah, they don't, they don't really have that strong play action game like they did last year. So I'm not expecting the same level of production. Sir, they had their loss of running back in week eight. They played more uh, half the season without their – Kareem Hunt without their all-star running back or Pro Bowl running back that they had the year before. So, and what, and what was the, what was the point differential after after uh, Kareem Hunt left? What was the point differential? I think they put up. It was lower. I don't. I don't. I'm not. I'm not trying to stab you to my friend. I don't want you to go in the same website trying to look it up. It was less. <laughs> <laughs> don't 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 rack your brain about this one. It wasn't a trick question. It was less. <laughs> uh, okay, well we're gonna we're gonna see how things transpire. Um, it sounds like there's a little bit of, you know, it, it took you a moment to come around on Patrick Mahomes, and it still it sounds like you you quite haven't come around quite yet. That's that's what I'm hearing, and that's what I want to question as to how you're gonna say their offense is not gonna be better and the the guys better. Um, Tyreek Hill will be he will impact the squad. Don't get me wrong. I, I agree with you there. He will impact the squad. His his presence and ability will impact their performance. But I think they will it's hard to say they'll perform better without Tyreek Hill, but they'll perform at a high level minus Tyreek Hill. I do agree with that. 
Um, now, we talked about Daniel Jones a little bit last week, but this week I want to phrase this question a little bit differently. Who starts more games, Daniel Jones for the Giants or Dwayne Haskins for the Redskins or Washington football team? Mr. Haskins for the Washington football team will start more games. They're already grooming him to be the starter of week one. Um, the process in New York is, you know, a lot more transitional. Uh, he's going to get the majority of the snaps. I would be completely floored, shocked, uh, beyond belief if he wasn't the starter of week one. Uh, and same in Washington, if Haskins wasn't the starter of week one. So that's a pretty easy one. Haslam is going to start more games this season. And your, your your explanation was pretty good, but what I'm hearing, man, out of New York, surprisingly, is that they really like this guy. And it sounds like they're grooming him to be the replacement, and he lies in the, of the accepting of it. That's odd to hear, but that's what I'm hearing. So, well, that, 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 that shouldn't be a he, – he's one of Eli's guys, which I think is part of the, the reason that they drafted him, to make the transition smoother and easier for Eli. This is not a force out. This is a, hey, we're going to bring your guy in here for you to pass the baton to. And he's going to pass it, but it's just going to be a few games into the season. It's not going to be from week one. Okay. Okay. So, Hassan's from week one, and that makes sense. That makes sense. Who deserves more money in Dallas? Who would you pay? Dakota Prescott or Ezekiel Elliott? If it were me, I I, I value running backs slightly different um, than other uh, people that watch football. I would pay Ezekiel Elliott. I think it's easy. I think it would be easier to get a replacement for Dak Prescott's production than it would be to get a replacement for Ezekiel Elliott's production. Now, conventional wisdom says, oh, my gosh, running backs get hurt all the time. Oh, my gosh, running backs are a dime a dozen. You can get some six-rounder to have a 1,400-yard season here and there. But I think when you have one of those special, you know, once every 10 years kind of backs, unless something dramatically, you know, bad happens to them, you should stick with it. I, I've seen the way the Seahawks have struggled to replace the production of these though. I, I saw the way the Denver Broncos were struggled to replace the production of Clinton Portis, thinking that their system just was a plug-and-play thing and just next man up. And, you know, although uh, Connor had a pretty good year last year in Pittsburgh, he's not Le'Veon Bell. And so if you have that kind of special back, you keep him. I think that Dak Prescott is maybe the 13th or 14th best quarterback in the league. I think Ezekiel Elliott is definitely top five running back. So if it, the choice is up to me, I would keep Ezekiel. Uh, you make a convincing argument there. You make a convincing argument. I, I You know, it's so good when, when uh, people actually uh, grow and they take their lessons and, and they absorb them to become better. That was a pretty good uh, breakdown if I may say so myself, sir. That's pretty good, Eddie. Yes, you're exactly right. It would be easier to replace Dakota Prescott's production than Ezekiel Elliott's production. Yes, you're exactly right. 
However, this being a question concerns me for the Dallas Cowboys personnel grouping because it's not it shouldn't be a, a question. You pay Zeke and you worry about Dak and his and or his replacement on the back end because you have a prime time running back who doesn't come the running back of his uh, pedigree and caliber doesn't come around every draft. So you certainly pay that guy uh, for what he's done, what he's done, what he will do, and what he will continue to do. You pay Ezekiel Elliott all day, every day. So I'm agreeing with you there, Mr. Clickmon. Let's take another break right here, sir. We're going to talk about on the backside. Um, any idea when toothbrush bristles were invented, Mr. Cleveland? Toothbrush bristles. I'm going to say uh, 1943. Oh my goodness! Uh, that was a good guess, but we'll 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 see if you're correct on the backside. <laughs> All right, Mr. Cleavon, uh, two brother bristles were invented long before 1943, sir. Um, really? There have been a lot of people with some uh, terrible teeth had it not been for China who invented them in 1498, so just a few years oh, wow. off. Wow. Just wow. a few, I was, I was, few years off. Half a millennium off. My goodness. That's right. Um, a lot closer to 1948 was uh, the Cyclone roller coaster opened at Coney Island in 1927. I think the roller coaster is still running, but obviously it's taken some upgrades since then. But 1948, 40, or excuse me, 1927, the Cyclone roller coaster opened up in Coney Island. And then Mr. Elvis Presley, your guy. Performed his final concert <laughs> in 1977 in the great state of Indiana. So that was uh, some special dates and uh, fun facts for the state years years ago. Cleveland, do you have a quote for us, sir? I do have a quote. <clears throat> My attitude is that if you push me towards something that you think is a weakness, and I will turn that perceived weakness into a strength. That's good. Words That's from, enough. Words from the great Michael Jordan. Will you, you care to share that again? Certainly. My attitude is that if you push me towards something that you think is a weakness, then I will turn that perceived weakness into a strength. Yeah, that's a, that's a good one. Um. Thank you, thank you for sharing with us. That's a great one. Cleveland, let's talk about wide receivers, young wide receivers. And which which wide receivers uh, do you think is going to poise for a breakout season? And I'll give you a couple names and see if you identify a couple on your own. Um, Kenny Galladay. This is a third-year receiver out of, for Detroit. 
Will Fuller or Debo Samuel? Who are you looking there to have the best season? You know, I don't think that you could have picked three more schizophrenic uh, receivers if you tried. I mean, if you pulled them out of a hat, I don't think you would be able to do so. All of them have tremendous talent and tremendous upside, and perhaps I'm just being bitter from my fantasy football days, but all of them are kind of hit and miss and have never shown an ounce of consistency. So if you're asking me which one of those guys is primed for a breakout season, they're all primed for a breakout season. The problem being is that they're all very inconsistent and none of them have shown the ability to stay healthy. So if you're asking me to endorse one of them or to ask which one is going to have the better season, um, I would just have to say Will Fuller the fifth because he plays on a better team. Um, it, with regards to, you know, Samuel and, and Galladay, um, I think Will Fuller has a bigger upside, but I, I'm not real confident in either in any of the three of the receivers. Well, well, quietly, Galladay caught over 1,000 yards receiving last season for the Lions. You know he has a a gunslinger as a quarterback, so he he has a good potential to have a breakout year. Um, Will Fuller, obviously, his knee injury, but he has uh, Deshaun Watson throwing to him, so he probably has a better quarterback of the three I mentioned. Um, and if it wasn't for injury, he'd be, uh, again, available to put up some big numbers. Now, D- Debo Samuel is one of the guys. He has a competitive re- receiving core, and there's no telling who there can, can really. They're all going to have an opportunity to step, take a step ahead and, and claim some playing time there. But as you mentioned, who will do it? Will be the question there. Um, they have Dwayne, or they have Dante Pettis, Marcus Goodwin, Jordan Matthews on their squad. Um, another rookie, Jalen Hurd. So they have a lot of guys, um, a lot of unproven guys. So it'll be interesting to see how they develop. I'm gonna, here's another couple of names for you. See uh, if any of these guys impress you. How about Cortland Sutton of the Broncos, James Washington of the Steelers, and Mike Williams of the Chargers? I think of those three, Mike Williams of the Chargers probably has the best opportunity to kind of make things happen. Um, so again, that's for the same reason. Chargers playing on a much better, better team. And in addition, I think uh, he had a little bit more chemistry with uh, Philip Rivers and um, they've actually had some uh, some receivers leaving free agency, which kind of is going to free up a few more uh, opportunities. So I, I would say he probably has the best opportunity to have a breakout season. Um, the logic is logic is good. Logic is good. I would use the same logic for Jay, James Washington. Very eager to see him because we know the Pittsburgh Steelers have a history of drafting quality receivers. They now have an opening because some of their free, 
their main free agent uh, receiver has gone to free agency and they need somebody else to step up and take his place. So I'd be, um, I think Washington would actually has the potential to have much as just as much as opportunity, if not more, than Williams, only because Pittsburgh is going to be a passing team, where the Chargers have a couple different running backs they like to integrate into the game that makes the Washington's opportunities for balls and big plays more relevant. Um, so I'm, I say out of that group, Mike, um, Dennis Washington, and then Cortland Sutton, Denver hasn't proven that they've been able to identify a quarterback to kind of leave the ship. So we're, there's no confidence in, in what Denver's doing with their quarterback squad. So there's a few receivers we gave you to kind of, even though Cleveland is jaded by his fantasy football experiences, uh, yes. And I've had all three of those cats. I'm going to say one more time, man. They're inconsistent. They'll, they'll show you flashes of brilliance, man. Don't get me started, man, because it's not it's not quite fantasy football time, man. But yeah, I've had Galladay, man. Well, I've had I've had Will Fuller the fifth, man. Yeah, it's 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 uh yeah, it's kind of painful to watch sometimes. I, well, I, I made a comparison. I made a comparison in one of my blogs that uh, Will Fuller is kind of like uh, Haley's Comet, man. Haley. Every Tom, once in a while, you every once in a while you have a you know you have an appearance, but man, it's few and far between, man. <laughs> he called him Haley's Comet. Well, when, when, you, when you're well, seeing it's brilliant, but wow, you just don't see him that often. So yeah. sorry. Yeah, that you, you're not far off on that. You're not far off on that, and some of that's due to injury. And then he he runs that nine route, so. We'll see if he's able to get more um, passes and and stay healthy. Most of all, first, uh, the uh, main ability is, is availability, and you got to stay healthy to play the game. So maybe help help the he'll be more healthy and be able to stay in the field a little bit longer. Cleveland, I want to thank you again for tuning in and helping me out with the show, uh, so we can talk to the fans. Fans, I want to thank you for your support. Again, if you like what you hear, please share this with your coworker, your colleague, your your cousin, your baby mama's uncle. Uh, we talk to all all sports fans about all things sports. So Voice of the Fans is here for everybody. Cleveland, thank you once again for tuning in. Share the word with your people. Mr. Cleveland, you want to talk to the people about Euphoria, the brand, and uh, your spring spring launch? Would love to talk about Euphoria the brand. My brand, Euphoria the brand, offers sophisticated stylists without compromising individual expression. In addition, Euphoria has also launched a female line called V, which caters to women who have an independent spirit, like to color outside the lines. Yeah, next couple of months we're gonna come out with a few other uh, additions to the Euphoria and the Wii line that definitely accentuate the expression and the individuality of the individual. At the same time, bring unity at a time when things are a little bit out of hand. Thanks for making our voice your choice.